Well, on Saturday night, you set your clocks back one hour. On Friday night, looked like Stanford football set its clocks back 15 years. Dismal night inside the eucalyptus curtain. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Sunday, November 7th, 2021. Hope that your weekend has been a good one overall, despite Friday night's result, which, of course, uh, we will get into. And uh, I certainly appreciate you checking out the show as we're going to break it down. Utah hammers Stanford 52-7. to Sometimes in football, the final score doesn't really indicate how things really go during the course of a game. Well, no, this one, this this is the real deal, 52-7. to uh, completely indicative of how things went on Friday night on the farm against Stanford. You're going to hear from Cardinal head coach David Shaw. You're going to hear from Stanford inside linebacker Ricky Miazon. And you're also going to hear from Stanford quarterback Isaiah Sanders. As uh, Those three guys try to help us sort through the rubble of what we saw against the Utah Utes. Thank you for joining us. I'm Troy Clarity, year number 29 of Stanford football for me. Year number eight of Pac-12 Network play-by-play as well. My soccer slate, well, hopefully I, I get a tournament game or two on the men's and the women's side. But as of right now, it is done. I still got some volleyball coming up a bit uh, later on this month. So looking forward to that. And uh, year number five overall of the, of the, of the TreeCast uh, podcast uh, overall. We've been coming at you since 2015, and we've been on the Believe Podcast Network uh, since March of 2020. You can follow me, by the way, on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y at Troy Clarity. Um, worst loss since that 57-7 game against Notre Dame in 2003. That is... That is how thorough that beating was that Stanford suffered against the Utah Utes. And I'm not going to bore you with a full recap of this game. Look, it was over It was over after 16 minutes of play, certainly, and probably it was over even before that. Uh, Utah took, take the opening, uh, took the opening kick, uh, immediately drove to an insurmountable 7-0 lead, up 14-0 after the first quarter, up 38-0 at the half. Let's say this. Let's just say this right here and now. I'm going to say it anyway. Utah's a pretty good team, right? Utah is a pretty good team. And I think, and I thought this even before Friday night unfolded, I, I think they're playing better than anyone else in the Pac-12 right now, including Oregon. But the differences in the level of play between the Utes and the Cardinal were super stark in all phases. Offense, defense, in the lines, in the backfield, secondary, front seven, every single facet of football. You could not have found a bigger discrepancy between a team playing well and a team that just could not find its own way. We'll give you three things that you need to know from this game. Uh, first, a reminder that bet online is better than ever. 
It's a new winter. Oh, they have a new web interface, rather, for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's uh, let's dive into this. Three things you need to know from Stanford versus Utah, and we begin with number one. Utah rolled up. 441 yards rushing on Stanford. 441 yards rushing. That's the fourth most rushing yards allowed by Stanford ever in a single game. The record? UCLA ran for 621 yards on Stanford back in 1973. And I seriously thought that that record might have been in some danger until around midway through the third quarter when the Utes and Kyle Whittingham started calling off the dogs just a little bit. But I, I was looking. I, I was looking late in the second quarter. What's the record for the most yards that Stanford's given up on the ground? 621? Ooh, that could be in some jeopardy. David Shaw with his initial reaction to giving up 441 on Friday. Defensively, got to have a lot of discussions on how to stop the run. You know, all year it's been close, it's been close. Today wasn't close. We, uh, as much as anything, we missed a ton of tackles. Missed a lot of tackles. It's one thing to have gaps to run through, but when you miss tackles, that's why you give up those big, big plays. It's inexcusable. Yeah, there were a lot of missed tackles, to be sure, but the holes were certainly there too. Big ones. By halftime, Stanford had given up a 58-yard touchdown run, a 96-yard touchdown run, and 336 yards rushing all told. Inside linebacker Ricky Miezon on a brutal first half. First of all, it just comes down to physicality. We weren't physical enough. And then number two, um, comes down to tackling. You know, we were letting them leak. You know, we were making, we were getting on him and then letting him loose, and he was getting another six or seven. and. You know, those are the two things that you can really look at and say, you know, we didn't do in that first half. Yep, no disagreement there. Miezon, by the way, I thought had the quote of the night. We'll, we'll bring that to you a bit later on in the show. But for now, let's move on to number two. And quarterback Tanner McKee had been questionable all week with an injury. And before Friday's game, uh, about an hour or so beforehand, David Shaw uh, making it official and publicly announcing that McKee would be out for the game against Utah. McKee on the sidelines throughout walking around with the aid of a single crutch. So that meant the quarterback duties would fall to Jack West and Isaiah Sanders. And Sanders ended up getting the first snap. After the game, Sanders told us how he found out that he would be getting the start. Just over the course of the week, as Coach kind of put together the, the initial plays that they were thinking about um, doing for, for the game plan, um, I saw that my name was tagged in the personnel um, kind of in the middle of the week. So 
Um, obviously, it was ex 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 exciting. Um, been a while since I'd you know been able to start at quarterback um, for any team, and um, definitely grateful for the opportunity. Um, not necessarily happy, obviously, with the result again, but um, that that part in of itself was definitely exciting. Yeah, and I'm sure that was a nice moment for for Isaiah, grad transfer from the Air Force Academy, has just an incredible, incredible story. Might have to catch up with him as one of our special guests on the TreeCast uh, before the year is out, and he has a lot of respect. A lot of respect from his teammates. I'll never forget when Sanders scored a touchdown against UCLA last year and how the entire team reacted to it. Uh, just a special a special moment for him. And uh, by all accounts, just a, just a good all-around uh, human being uh, re representing Stanford football. So a nice moment for Isaiah Sanders getting the start. And, and when I found out that Sanders would be getting the start, I said, okay, but I'm sure that we'll see a lot of Jack West and it's probably going to be a bit more indicative of who actually finishes the game than who starts it. And it was mostly a situational rotation between Sanders and West. Uh, Sanders, at least at the start anyway, before the game really got out of hand. Sanders generally came in on first down, and then West would generally come in on second and long or third and long, which ended up being the majority of the game. Sanders did lead the way to Stanford's only touchdown, with a 27-yard pass to Ben Urasek, and then Stanford, and then Sanders ran there, uh, ran it in from five yards out for the score. So nice moments for Sanders, but no matter who the quarterback was, the offense largely went nowhere. So with that, will we see Tanner McKee back anytime soon? After the game, David Shaw told us what he knows. It's possible that he comes back. It is. Not sure exactly when. Um, Next week might be a little early. We'll see. But uh do anticipate him coming back sometime this season. Well, that's encouraging. It's not certain, but it's encouraging. There is that. Got to cling on to the, the things you, you can if you're Stanford these days. Let's finish up three things with number three. And the Cardinals certainly came in shorthanded, especially in the quarterback room. But the Cardinal were able to welcome back some guys to the playing field. Nice to see wide receiver Mike Wilson back in the mix for the first time this year. You might remember our chat with him uh, last week previewing this game. Also, a couple of reinforcements in the secondary for the Cardinal with cornerback Ethan Bonner making his return and uh, cornerback Salim Turner Muhammad finally making his season debut as well. David Shaw took us through the nights for Turner Muhammad, Bonner, and Wilson. Both Salim and Ethan Bonner, both back after a long time out. Both guys made some nice plays. Both guys were a little rusty. That's what you expect first time back. Uh, Michael Wilson, I thought, did a really nice job. Didn't get an opportunity to get it to him. He was really open two more times. It would have been really nice. Didn't have the opportunity protection-wise to get him the ball. Ran a really nice comeback route. Um, did some other good things as a blocker. Um, unfortunate, he was given that, that unsportsmanlike conduct. You know, he's just blocking a guy and the guy rips his helmet off and I guess they thought he was too upset and responded in, in, a, in a way they didn't think was, uh, was right. Um, but it's great to have Mike back. You know, he played, he played really hard. Yeah, Wilson always does. You're always going to get 159% uh, from that young man whenever he's out on the field. So on a night that was, let's face it, woefully short of positives for Stanford, there were a couple. We'll get to that in a second. It was certainly nice to see those guys back in uniform and contributing. Those are three things. 
Well, some numbers for Stanford. E.J. Smith, 53 yards on seven carries. Jack West uh, finished 12 of 18 for 59 yards passing, was sacked five times, and threw a pick six. Just an insane play by Devin Lloyd. Just just reaching up, snatching the ball at the two-yard line, and then just falling into the end zone uh, for the score. But, hey, Devin Lloyd... Devin Lloyd was just fantastic, and he's got my vote for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. Tavion Thomas has my vote for Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week as well. Um, Here are the numbers that really matter for Stanford. In the first half, Cardinal outgained 440-28. to Stanford's defense was allowing a league-worst 206 rushing yards per game entering Friday night. Utah, with 6.37 to go in the second quarter, already by that point, 227 yards rushing. And that was before the 96-yard run by Pledger. On average, Stanford's first-half offensive drive started at their own 26 and ended at their own 31. Stanford's longest offensive play in the first half, 9 yards. On a pass to E.J. Smith. That was it. That was it. Ugly stuff. All the way around. And we might also need to keep an eye on the injury report when David Shaw issues the first one of the week coming up during his uh, scheduled media Zoom on Tuesday late morning. Uh, Kendall Williamson left the game for a moment uh, in in the second half. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly reportedly left the game Uh, Maybe late in the first half. I do not remember seeing this myself, but I certainly remember looking around on the sidelines and on the field and not seeing Caillou Blue Kelly at all in the second half. So that might be something worth watching. And uh, as I was walking down uh, to the field and uh, towards down the ramp uh, that leads towards the locker rooms, I saw running back EJ Smith uh, being helped into the locker room. Didn't see what happened there as I was walking down. Uh, and, and making my way down from the press box during the final uh, minute or so of play. So uh, E.J. Smith was being helped into the locker room, and I said, oh, boy, jeez. So that, that seemed to be somewhat of a, of, of a fitting ending to how that night went. So we'll see what happens in the injury report with E.J., with Caillou Blue Kelly, if anything, and uh, with Kendall Williamson as well. All right, most of you who have been listening to me and have been, you know, who have known my coverage of Stanford over the over the decades, most of you know me as a pretty positive guy, as a pretty even-keeled guy, and as a pretty nice guy overall. And 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 look, I, there there were actually some real live tangible positives from this game. And let's go ahead and dive into them right now because I am such a nice guy. Um Ryan Sanborn had a really nice game. His best of the year. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of weird shouting out a punter, but especially considering some of the games that he put forth the last few weeks entering the Utah matchup in which he'd struggled and, and had, some, had some short kicks, some shank kicks, and some inabilities to, to, to pin opponents deep inside their own 20 and even inside their own 10, as Sanborn has shown the ability to do throughout much of his career. Sanborn, a bounce-back game for him. Uncorked a 60-yard punt in the second quarter. And if you called that Stanford's best play of the game, I I wouldn't argue. Average 46.3 yards per punt. So, nice to see Sam Bourne. And as much as as Stanford 
And as much as David Shaw likes to play defense and field position, that was big. And a nice thing in in in, in that in that in that direction for Ryan Sanborn, a, a guy who kind of needed a bounce back game. So good to see Sanborn uh, perform up to that standard and maybe even a little bit beyond it. It was nice to see the Stanford Athletics Hall of Fame class recognized. Uh, the full ceremony was on Saturday, but uh, the uh, inductees were were also recognized during a break between the first and the second quarters. Toby Gerhart, a huge ovation for him, rightfully so. Wonder what some of the things were that he had going through his mind watching those festivities throughout the course of the game on Friday. Josh Childress, I, it, it's still tough for me to recognize him without the fro. Loved watching that dude play ball for Stanford back in the day. So great to see Josh Childress, Jane Appel, what a fantastic player she was for Stanford women's hoops. Bob and Mike Bryan, those were some bad dudes on the tennis court. Alex Kleinman. For Stanford Women's Volleyball, Julia Smith in the pool, and L. Logan, uh, a rower for Stanford. So great to see uh, this class of, of, of Hall of Fame inductees uh, recognized after the end of the first quarter. That was, that was pretty cool to see. And perhaps the biggest positive overall was that Stanford didn't quit in the second half. They really didn't. I mean, look, you're, you're struck. Look, trust me, I don't like grasping for moral victories here. I really don't. But I think this is a legitimate one. Stanford down 38-0 at the half. They they could have just completely folded and given up the ghost. It didn't. They still played hard. Actually, they played harder in the second half than, than they did in the first half. Now, part of that's probably a function of, of Utah dialing things back a bit in the second half. But still, I, I've, I've seen Stanford, I, I've seen other teams dial it back on Stanford, and, and, and the Cardinals still give up anyway. That didn't happen on Friday in the second half. Jacob Mangum Farrar, some big sticks in the second half. Stoning Utah. On, on, on a fourth down opportunity with the ball deep inside Stanford territory, inside the inside the Cardinal five. Stanford able to stiffen up in that instance with Jacob Mangum Farrar making one of several big plays for him in that second half. And the Cardinal came out of the locker room in the third quarter and did get that touchdown, their lone touchdown of the night. So Stanford didn't quit. They they you and you can tell when a team is quit. Right, you you you've watched enough football. You can tell. I can tell anyway, and I I, I did not get that sense that Stanford quit um, in the second half. So uh, there were some positives. There 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 were some some actual positives for Stanford to take away from on Friday night. But but overall, that was an absolute disaster of a night. It's no other way to spin it. That was a complete and total disaster. And I thought Ricky Miazon had the quote of the night after the game. You can have, you can scheme up whatever play you want, but if you aren't physical, then that's what happens. He's absolutely right. He is absolutely right. Stanford completely ground into the dirt, both sides of the ball. Defensively, that certainly applies. Think back to that long touchdown run that the Utes had. No, 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 not, not that one, the other one. 
the 58-yarder <laughs> early in the second quarter to make it 21-0. That long touchdown run. Miezon had Tavion Thomas dead to rights in the backfield. Had him. But Thomas just shrugged him off and kept right on going. Then he eluded Thomas Booker and left everyone in the dust to make it 21 nothing, and to send that game on a truly irreversible course. I mean, you could already tell which, which direction things were headed by that point anyway. That one just removed all doubt. And it was that kind of night on both sides of the ball. Stanford just not physical enough. Stanford's backfield completely unable to function because the offensive line was just overwhelmed. Simple running plays that Stanford just could not stop. Stanford just could not block. And Utah dudes getting into the backfield with ease. Linemen, linebackers, bringing up safeties didn't matter. Offensive line just completely overwhelmed. Meanwhile, Utah's offense humming like a fine machine. Um, I, I thought one play, I, this might have been the, fir, the final play of the first quarter where EJ Smith took a handoff, went to the right side, and immediately, immediately, there were two guys in his way. So EJ cut back to the left, but there were two guys right there waiting for him too, and Smith lost one. That was the story of the night for Stanford running backs. Stanford running backs would cut back and they'd run into at least two Ute defenders all night long. Meanwhile, you notice how every time a Utah running back would cut back a reverse field, he'd cut back into open space and pick up 20 yards? That happened on multiple occasions throughout the night. A couple weeks ago, Stanford just wasn't strong enough to hold off Washington. They just weren't strong enough to hold off the Huskies. That was a couple weeks ago. And it was even more apparent and obvious that Stanford just wasn't strong enough and isn't strong enough against an even stronger and more physical opponent in the Utah Utes. And we talked about this last week, and I said last week that that's something that, that can't be solved just in time for the game against the Utes. And that's going to remain true pretty much for the remainder of the season. This is something that cannot be solved. There's no there's no can of I was, I was I did a radio hit on a Sirius XM uh before the game and I was like, "Look, there, there's no can of magic spinach that the guys can pass around before the game, right?" <laughs> and all of a sudden, no. No, it's not how it works. This can only be solved in the off season. And I'm not sure how close Stanford was able to do its normal training and conditioning in the offseason last year, given the fact that the season finished so late and that there are still so many restrictions in place at the start of the calendar year in Santa Clara County and that things didn't really start to perhaps get truly closer to normal until, what, like February, March or so? So this is something that, that cannot be solved in one week. It can only be solved in the offseason. Stanford football has a lot of work to do in the weight room. Physicality a bit more important on defense, but on offense, 
You, you can rely a little bit more on scheme and on speed. How did Stanford fare in that department? Not well. Not well. Stanford ran a couple of misdirection plays and reverses. That could have been big gains. Instead, you have Bryce Farrell getting the reverse and only picking up eight yards on a play that looked like it could have gone for 20. But great recognition by the Utah defense. Safety comes in unblocked and makes makes the tackle on Farrell. It was like that more often than not anytime Stanford tried to go to misdirection or use reverses or play fake one way, bootleg over to the right, and maybe dump it off to Ben Urasek, who would normally have enough speed to, to pick up a first down, but instead would only get dropped for like for, for no gain. And there were actually a couple plays where Stanford would try misdirection and get dropped for losses in the passing game. So tough sledding in that department for the Cardinal. And I asked Isaiah Sanders what the offensive game plan looked like, especially from his standpoint, and how far the reality of execution was from the expectation. Yeah, obviously the there is a big gap between reality and expectation. Um, we definitely were trying to kind of, you know, in a short week, um, try to... Uh, kind of put together a couple different packages between uh, obviously me and Jack trying to tag team a little bit um, and present a couple different looks to to Utah and um, hopefully take advantage of the fact that there was you know some new wrinkles that we hadn't tried out before so hopefully we'll have a you know another chance to uh, get those ironed out in the future but obviously yeah like I said the the result wasn't what we hoped for. Isaiah Sanders and look there's no doubt that he gives Stanford's offense some different looks and I thought I thought he also showed some presence of mind to throw the ball away when he was being hit. I thought that was actually a, an impressive moment for him. And if Stanford had been able to get to second and manageable, third and manageable, he might have had a bigger impact in the game. But that largely didn't happen because the Cardinal kept getting blown up on first down. I asked David Shaw after the game for his evaluation of the quarterback, Sanders and West. you got to look at the film to really know because um, there were opportunities where, you know, thought we had a couple of chances. And uh, by the time I look back, we either got rushed, we got sacked, the ball got knocked out, balls got deflected. Um, it's a combination of, you know, protection-wise, we know they're a really good front. We know they're a good front. We did not do a good job blocking them. Um, and uh, it's tough. You know, the couple times we did have opportunities, we missed a couple of those. Um, Nice job by Isaiah getting that big one to Ben, getting down the red zone so we can get a, get a score. Um, you know, we just uh, didn't give ourselves a chance, either protection-wise, to really see what our quarterbacks could do. Tried to come out with a, uh, with a run game plan um, to uh, try to be efficient, using Isaiah for his, his natural gifts. And uh, early in the game, um, we did not do a good job blocking them. So that got stuffed in our face a couple times in the run. So a lot of things we have to look at. Yep. Yep. Tough to evaluate. Tough to evaluate. By the way, true freshman Ari Patu got some playing time on Stanford's final drive. He largely just handed it off to EJ Smith, who got a big gain, a 32-yarder. That was nifty. But but Patu uh, threw two passes and completed one for a three-yard loss. Whether Patu's in the mix for more playing time going forward, I don't know. Personally, me, I haven't seen enough to think things would improve noticeably with him in there. 
I remember the clamoring for for Patu to possibly be in the mix when it was a quarterback race between McKee and West, and there were some fans saying, hey, uh, Ari looked pretty good in, in, in the spring game. Maybe put him in the... No, 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 mm -mm. no. I, I don't know that if you put Patu in there that things noticeably improve. I don't know that. And I get the suspicion that he's not there yet. Then again, part of me says, hey, what do you got to lose? But no. No, I, I don't think that as I sit here on late Sunday morning, I, I don't think that's a big possibility for Stanford going forward. Real quick, a couple of narratives out there uh, that, that, that sprung out and, and one certainly that got stronger um, as a result of this game. A couple of narratives out there that I don't think are exactly totally correct and accurate. The. Stanford needs to open up the offense and get away from intellectual brutality narrative that, that, that's been out there. Well, that's largely already happened. And it's been a process that's been a couple years in the making. I mean, did you see intellectual brutality in 2019? No. No, you didn't see it. You couldn't see it because Stanford didn't have enough healthy offensive linemen that year. They couldn't run the extra lineman sets. They couldn't run the three tight end sets that, that they love to run. You couldn't just because they didn't have the personnel out there. So because of that, we've actually seen Stanford open it up over the years. I mean, do, do people not remember some of the things Davis Mills did? I mean, he did throw 27 straight passes in the game, you know, that 2019 game against Washington State, 27 straight passing plays. Did, did folks forget how this offense looked when K.J. Costello got the green light to go up tempo as he did through several games, 2018, 2019? Stanford has opened it up. I mean, yes, the trademark is 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 having, you know, multiple sets and, and, the, and the trademark is, you know, grinding guys into the dirt. I realize that. And look, I've said this before. David Shaw would prefer to win a street fight over a track meet. But he doesn't mind having the ability to choose. And this year, it's become more and more evident every week that Stanford does not have the personnel to run intellectual brutality brand football this year. And that's become more and more apparent by the week. So you've seen Tanner McKee open it up this season. You've seen the ball get placed more and more in his hands this season. But as of now, it's going to be tough to see any offense from Stanford because they can't block and they can't protect. The other narrative out there that I don't think is completely 100% accurate is, man, boy, that's a bad, bad loss for Oregon. The Ducks, of course, losing to Stanford in overtime a month ago, a game that even seems more and more surreal the further removed we get away from it. And no, the Ducks can't be thrilled with how Stanford's been playing lately, given all that's at stake for the Ducks and how the, the college football playoff committee might be looking at things. But that was a different Ducks team. That was a different team that the Ducks were playing against. Stanford had its quarterback. 
It had a more fully stocked and operational wide receiver room. Well, until until Bryson Tremaine got hurt. By the way, don't forget, Elijah Higgins was not in the game for Utah. They tried to give him a go apparently during the pregame and just, and just couldn't pull it off. But Stanford was a healthier team back then. Not a healthy team, but a healthier team a month ago. It, it had a defense that, that still was able to bring some pop at times and wasn't quite as porous and hadn't completely collapsed as it, as it had against Utah. So for the folks who are saying, whoa, that's a, that, that Stanford loss is an awful one, and you're basing everything that you think you know about that loss to Stanford a month ago based on how the Cardinals are playing now, don't, don't, because this was a different team that Stanford was fielding a month ago. Not every team is the exact same from week to week. And every season is a living, breathing thing that changes from week to week. Oregon looks different than it does than it did a month ago. Anthony Brown uh, suddenly acting like he can throw passes and complete passes uh, downfield. Utah, I still think, is playing better. But you know, those 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 two narratives out there that I was seeing after the game, there there is some accuracy to them, but I don't think that they're that as much stock should be placed in them as 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 some folks might be might be as quick to do. But overall, right now it comes down to this. Right now, Stanford is a banged up, shorthanded team that isn't strong enough or fast enough. Can't block. Struggles to protect, can't tackle, can't run the ball, can't throw the ball, can't score, and can't prevent other teams from scoring. That's who Stanford is right now. Opportunities to try to reverse that, yes, there are three of them left. Got to get on the plane and head up to Corvallis. You got to hear that 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 chainsaw over the PA system night all, all afternoon long. David Shaw loves that. And Oregon State coming off of a loss I still can't quite believe unfolded the way that it did in overtime at Colorado. By the way, can Oregon State run the ball? Oh, my God, yes, they can. (laughs) Oh, Oregon State actually had the top rushing attack in the Pac-12, I believe, if memory serves me correct, entering this week. Boy, oh, boy, is that great news. And who knows where Cal's going to be? Decimated by City of Berkeley COVID regulations, shorthanded, and losing to a bad Arizona squad. Who knows where the Bears are going to be? I'm not even thinking about Notre Dame right now, to be honest with you. But who knows? Who knows? You've got thoughts on Stanford football. Hit, Hit me with them. It's cool. Do it via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, yeah, it's probably a good idea to do it. Trust me, many times our conversations are much more pleasant than this one, than this episode. Uh, but uh, any way you want to go as far as uh, your listening app of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Tune in, 
probably a few others I'm not completely aware of. iHeart's out there as well. I always appreciate uh, you listening uh, and subscribing to the show, rating and reviewing the program, and uh, reacting to it um, as well. And we'll talk to you on Thursday. Try to figure out how Stanford's going to go up to Corvallis and try to win the football game. (laughs) We'll preview things uh, between the Cardinal and the Beavers will likely come your way on Thursday morning. You heard from David Shaw, Ricky Miazon, and Isaiah Sanders. Special thanks to you for checking us out on the show. And we'll talk to you next time. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Back the pack and back the vac. Even if you are a future Hall of Fame quarterback. We'll talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.